1: All right, parents, welcome back to The Journey. This is Dan Panetti. Um, I've got um, uh, a friend, kind of a new friend, um, Hillary Morgan Ferrer. Um, you started a ministry called Mama Bear, Mama Bear Apologetics. And a number of years ago, um, our moms up at our North Campus um, read your book. Uh, and I got to be a part of that kind of experience. And as I read it, I was fascinated with um, just how you guys tackled truth, um, dealt with some of the rough issues, did it in a, in a way that was um, biblically solid, sound, full of truth, but also full of grace. Um, and so, Hillary, um, thank you for doing this ministry, um, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast and letting our parents know a little bit more about what you do. So, Kellis, um, uh, where, where did this ministry idea, the idea of Mama Bear Apologetics come from?
0: So it was a series of several things. Uh, first off, we were, my husband and I were asked to sit in on a Bible study or, or an apologetic study at my parents' church. And we had a woman who stood up and was giving her testimony about how she had raised her kids uh, in the faith. They did a one day, you know, one of them rededicated yeah. his life in college And all it took was his first boss saying Jesus is Santa Claus for adults. And all of a sudden it just rocked his entire world. And so she had never studied apologetics. And so she just started doing a deep dive. And she said, you know, every time you come home, ask me a question, I'll research it. And um, she wasn't normally an academic type personality or interested in anything sure. philosophical. And so I saw that and I thought, that's an instinct right there. What is that? I was like, and the word mama bear came to my mm. head that <laughs> a mama bear will do things for her kids that she might not do for herself. And there's this almost impetus to protect yeah. in a way that we, we see that happen in the physical world, but that can happen in the spiritual world as well. So I, I saw that. And then I had another friend that said that, Uh, she just informed me that there was a large demographic of women out there who wouldn't read something unless it was by women for women. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, first off, how are the women getting this information? But even more than that, the Lord put this burden on my heart for moms. How can we get this into the hands of moms? Because I think moms are kind of the one according to the research that i've done they're the ones who get most of the questions first i mean i have all these stories from mom friends they'll be in the bathtub like trying to do something the kid yeah. will bypass dad who's sitting on the couch go and find where mom is to ask her whatever the question is and so th- that she really is the front line for a lot of these questions she's getting the spiritual questions first along with all the other practical things um and so i just this this name mama bear apologetics kept going through my head until i kind of written out this whole almost um, outline for ministry. And so I kind of asked the Lord, since my husband and I don't <laughs> what have are we kids, doing here? I asked the Lord, this is great. Who am I supposed to pass That's right. to? Who That's right. Who am I right. supposed to this give this This is an to? awesome I idea. Will, I know. I was <laughs> like, I will go commission them, Lord. This is amazing, and, and they kind you. of answered that I were. <laughs> it was me, yeah. And uh, he, he kind of answered it in this way that was unexpected, and that, that revealed to me that I have something that a lot of moms don't have, which is time to research. Okay. And so I consider That's, this yeah. my, yeah. This the, is your the, calling. If I, can, I love it. I, it is my calling. And if I can if I can do this for other moms, then that's the best mom that I can be.
1: Yeah. So, so there's a couple of things. Moms. Um uh- you, you said you know a lot of women won't read something else it's not w- written by wi- uh, women I will say this from a dad perspective um uh, mm-hmm. although you wrote it um, several of you ladies wrote this um from a man's mm-hmm. perspective I read it and I loved it I thought it was fantastic um and, and so guys don't let the mama bear apologetics name keep you away from reading because it was really really well written mm-hmm. um very well researched um the, two things that I want to I want to dive in um we at our school we actually teach apologetics you actually know our apologetics teacher, Steve Lee, but that's, that happens yep. during their junior year in high school. And a lot of the issues yeah. that you're talking about, um, are younger students, younger children talking to mom and dad, right. As you said, taking a bath, right in the car, um, you know, just at dinner table. Right. And so, um, the, mm-hmm. the concept of apologetics is just defending the faith or just giving answers to questions that people have. Um, Mm-hmm. The two books that you deal with, right? you you had one that um you know, is just kind of your your first one. The second one is a guide to sexuality. Kind of tell mm-hmm. me why you sparse that out as a separate book on its own. <laughs>
0: Oh that's funny. Uh why did I do that is because the publisher kept asking me for it and I kept adamantly saying no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I honestly didn't want to touch it. I think it's oh. because it's such a such a hairy complicated yes. topic at this point where they've taken something simple and made it so complicated that True. it's trying to yeah. untangle everything. Yeah. I just I I almost didn't even want to touch it but I think that was the lord that kind of kept coming back and saying, yeah. no, you need to do this. Uh, and so, yeah, we started tackling that. And that was, um, a lot of dark research. My, uh, Amy's and my browser histories are ruined forever. <laughs> Same with our editor. Um, but this is the kind of thing where, uh, we are image bearers of mm-hmm. God. And so we've seen classic apologetics where the enemy, a lot of times attacks God himself and who he is, I think what we have society doing right now is if he can't attack God directly, he's going to attack God's image bearers. And right now, I think it's safe to say we are so turned around by what it means to be human. And if that's even a good thing in some some people's minds, that uh, this really is almost, um, you have to keep taking things back a step, a step like, you know, it started out with just the gospel and then what is the evidence for the gospel and then what constitutes evidence. And then now what constitutes identity. Identity And I've kind of narrowed it down to, you really need two things in order to have a true true identity. You need to have the concept of truth and you need to uh, be able to understand words because you cannot convey a true identity or you can't have a true identity without truth and you can't convey a true identity without words. So even in talking about sexuality, we kept having to go deeper to find out where are the roots of the issue being planted, which was kind of the... The goal of the first book, too, is like you see all the questions that kids are having and we're saying, how can we dive underneath these questions and see what seeds were planted to begin with that are actually giving rise to these questions? Mm -hmm. So in the the sexuality book, we deal um, with the concept of truth and of words and just the very beginning. What does it mean to be human? What is the reason that God created um, sexuality and it's beyond just the, you know, the Bible says that I believe it. And so we try to give things that will actually make sense to people by integrating it into their worldview, not just giving them snippets of this is what the Bible says, even though we can absolutely rely on the Bible. It's, um, it's good to be able to integrate it into a whole to see how this fits in with all of reality.
1: Yeah. So, so very true. I would say this too. Um, uh, your books, your resources, the the work that you're doing, um, is so integral for parents. But I wouldn't want parents to wait until their kids get too old before they start introducing. I know a lot okay. of parents push back on, um, well, you know, my child's in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and I don't want to introduce these topics to them. Um, and I think the reality is, is they don't understand that the world is introducing these topics to them. Even the topics of sexuality, um, in you a take lot of
0: kids, to target, they're yes. introduced to these concepts. It, exactly. So.
1: Really? Yeah. So you have your whole, you know, gender wardrobe type things. And so um, Mm -hmm. what would you say as far as parents who are younger, um, you know, they've got younger age kids, like why, why are your resources so important for them?
0: Yeah, I, I, I kind of define this in the, the second book where I start talking about the concept of categories that mm-hmm. our kids like this is before they even start having the questions. They're building categories yeah. for things. So I would say even from our movies and our music and all that stuff, just the category of I'm going to give an example of sex. It used to be like back when I was young, something uh, it, it fit into that category, something people do when they're in love. That's right. Well, it's gone beyond that. to totally. be Something like I would say the movies now, it's something that you do when, at the moment that you recognize that you and someone else are attracted to each other because that's yeah. like the trope in the movies right now. These people that are fighting, 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 then all of a sudden they realize, oh, I'm really attracted to you. And the next thing they do is they have all their clothes off. Um, so that or maybe it, it's going to fit into the category that we want to recategorize that into something that is like um, uh, things that are so powerful that they need to be guarded. Mm. Okay, let's think of other things that are so powerful that they need to be guarded. What about that big dog who's not trained that's on a leash? What about nuclear weapons? What about guns? You know, like all these different things that need to have some kind of safeguard. Having keys to a car and hiding that. Um, anything that's powerful enough to create, destroy needs to be guarded. And then also the category of um, things that are valuable, you know, things like the Mona Lisa, high art. And so we start creating these categories so that our kids can integrate what they're seeing into the world into the correct category, and they can actually reject the world's categories. Um, And if, if we can start that at a really young age, then a lot of these questions will be less pressing for them when they get older Uh, Another example, I I say of this, I talk about this in the discipleship workbook for sexuality category that they need to have is number one, uh, things that are created in God's image. And we need to show only humans are created in God's image. And they can say they're created in God's image. It doesn't matter if the person's dressed like a clown, if they look like the whole alphabet soup and they're yelling at everybody, that person is created in the image of God, worthy of dignity and respect. And then we establish another category category things that reflect the image of God.
1: Excellent. And now yes. there's going to be
0: a l- lot of behaviors that do not reflect the image of God. And we can even make that personal to them of, well, you did this. Did that reflect the image of God? No. No. That way, this actually bypasses a lot of the questions that I get of how do you introduce a, a friend or a family member in the future who's identifying as same-sex attracted? Sure. We've already established this category of people that are made in the image of God and things that do or do not reflect the image of God that have no bearing on our image bearer capacity. So I would say with young kids, creating these categories is absolutely imperative and helping them to think through what the world is throwing at them. And they're really, I mean, as soon as they're old enough to understand the images on a screen, that's how old we need to start start establishing these categories.
1: Amen. That's so true. I think one of the things that your book does um, in such a great way, the whole ministry, um, is it helps parents understand that questions are coming. And if they're not asking Mm -hmm. you the questions, they're asking someone else or something else. Maybe it's their peers, Mm -hmm. which would be terrible. Maybe it's Disney. um, Or maybe it's just, you know, they're just going to the internet and they're looking for answers somewhere else. And so I love how you give the, you know, the, the power back to the parent and say, hey, listen, these are your children. Right. These are people that you're responsible for. Um, be ready for the questions. And I know there's sometimes they're going to be difficult questions and tough questions. And, you know, for a lot of our parents, it's kind of like, well, I send my kid to a Christian school. Aren't you answering all the questions? <laughs> and it's like, no matter what we do here, the conversations that you guys are having at home are, are 10 times, a hundred times more powerful and impactful in the life yes. of a student. So we want to partner with parents and have those kind of questions, right? A great church wants to partner with parents. Right. But the home, the the questions, the conversation around the dinner table, I think parents have kind of forgotten how powerful that can be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think just, you know, what do they say? If the devil can't make you bad, he makes you busy. And so just, um, Doing all these things, especially with sports to where you don't actually have those set aside times as a family, I think probably around the dinner table sure. is one of the most powerful times that you can have for establishing your con- that contact with the kids. I think also for younger ages, you know, I can speak from experience from being a kid. I had no idea how long it took to get to or from a theater. And so like if you're <laughs> going out to a movie, yeah. pick the long way home so you can right. have these conversations. This is good for. Um, not so, sometimes there's certain kids that have a difficult time with that eyeball to eyeball conversation, sure, but having shoulder a, to shoulder this you kind can do of, it. yeah, emotional yep. distance of, um, especially, especially the boys that have a hard time with that, where yeah. you can speak from the front seat. They can't see your expression. You can't see their expression and you can just start asking them questions. It's a it's an invaluable time that i think that we have sometimes squandered by just thinking okay what's the next thing that we need to do
1: yeah i think bedtimes too a really um, important thing as we were putting yes. our kids to bed Um, You know, it's just kind of like, it seems like there's something about, you know, the questions that are raised up and their little minds are kind of racing, but making sure that you're kind of carving out time as opposed to, Hey, let's get the kids to bed so we can, you know, spend some time together. It's like, take, take your time with that, you know, that time, those are precious times. So I I love that. You mentioned you were working on something else. Do you want to talk about that a little (laughs) bit or where, where the ministry is going and what other things that you're kind of looking at doing?
0: Well, uh, there was another book I knew I needed to have a, a, a sort of a non-research intensive book after okay. these, these first two books, yeah. uh, especially the second book. There there was a lot of, um, I'll say that I take stress on into my body physically. And so I had to have major, major surgery after, after the second book that was just from... Ugh, yeah. So all the stress, this doesn't happen to any everyone, but I've, you know, I'm now two for two editing books from an ICU. Oh. Um, So one of the things that the publisher was interested in, and I was interested when they pitched it was the concept of prayer. Um, And so we actually will have a book coming out, we have not formally announced it yet, but um honest prayers for mama bears.
1: Oh, And awesome. oh, uh, what a great title. <laughs>
0: That's yes. Awesome. And so I call it that because I still look back at my life and the most honest prayer I ever prayed uh, was my freshman year in high school where uh, we had a youth group leader that had us like write letters to ourselves. And we talk about our year and then mm. she would seal them all up and we would do it again the next year. And then we got to read our letters. Yes. Um, and at the end of that, it, it asked for a prayer. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I was a good Christian kid, always followed Jesus. And it's like you kind of get a, to a certain point in spiritual maturity that if you feel like you're ahead of your peers, you don't really feel that urge to keep pressing so forward.
1: True. That's right. And
0: so, yeah, I recognize that in myself. And so my prayer was God, I don't want you, but I want to want you. I recognized that I wasn't pursuing him. I didn't hate him, but I wasn't pursuing him. I didn't have that desire. Mm. And the rest of my life, I've seen the Lord answering that prayer. And I think it's because I was honest about where I was that he could then say, yes, that's exactly where you need to be. Tell me where you are and we can go from there. And so in the prayers in this book, we're trying to make it almost give moms permission to pray what they're actually thinking instead Mm. of all these really flowery prayers that they're like, I'm never going to be able to sound like that to get something gritty, to get something that admits, you know, I don't even want to do that. I don't even want to read my Bible and I want to do anything else but that sometimes um, and hopefully kind of give them permission to pray honest prayer. So um, that has, it's been its own challenge. Actually, I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it is. Um, It's been, but it's been a different kind of challenge from the heavy research books, but I'm excited to be able to have, to share that with moms out there, um, to where they can actually be learning how to pray like a, as you've seen in both of our books we go through the roar technique and the final roar the final R is to reinforce the discussion discipleship and prayer I think prayer is so imperative with the spiritual battle that is going on surrounding all these ideas it doesn't matter if you try to input all the right information if you don't if you're not also clearing away this the spiritual hurdles and the spiritual um, obstacles then um, then that those nuggets of truth don't even have time to grow. So this is kind of looking at how can we pray through those spiritual battles as well.
1: Yeah. So real quickly, go through that ROAR technique real quickly for our parents.
0: Yeah, yeah. So ROAR stands for recognize the message, offer objective discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and then reinforce through discussion, discipleship, and prayer. And so it starts out with recognizing the message with um, how, if if it's an idea that maybe we wouldn't agree with, how would the proponents of this idea, what would they say? What's something that they would list out as these are our core tenets? The offer, we added the word objective later, um, offer discernment, where a lot of times people think discernment is just pointing out everything that's wrong in something. And I think people just get... That, that can become the stench of self-righteousness instead yep. of the aroma of Christ. And so in offer discernment, we are um, very much saying, what is the good that this person is offering? Because most lies are wrapped in partial truths. Yep. If we don't recognize the partial truth that that person is holding on to, then they think I need to shout louder. We have to learn how to recognize and affirm Maybe an intention or maybe a problem that is going unaddressed before we can start saying, I'm not so sure if that solution is the best way. So, once we have identified the good, separated it from the bad, we go to argue for a healthier approach where we say, let's look at this good intention. Let's look at this real problem. How does the Bible actually address that in a way that is more, uh, that is longer lasting, in a way that actually solves the problem that we're both standing arm in arm and seeing? Um, And then moving on to reinforce, how do you then take this to your kids through discussion, discipleship and prayer to where they understand that concept as well, and they can interact with people who hold an opposing viewpoint. Yeah.
1: That's great. I love it. I love what you're doing. I love the ministry. I love the resources that you've put out. Um, your website is great for our parents to be able to visit. Um, I know you guys uh, look to do some speaking engagements every once in a while. So if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth areas, so, uh, you know, please let us know because our parents would love to come out, uh, I'm sure, and support you and see you. And um, you are a ministry, so you do need financial support. Is that a part of mm-hmm. your 501c3 just like that and people can donate and, and be a part?
0: So we are umbrellaed right now under another 501 C three in the process of maybe becoming our own. Cause there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot that goes on with becoming your own 501 C three. So we do have a place on the website that you awesome. can donate to um, help helping that happen. Yeah. Or and, buy some um, merchandise. Yeah. So- <laughs> I buy some merchandise all and I, I've got a great shirt that's gonna be coming out uh, soon. I just just made it. It's got a picture of a heart and it's got a circle around it. that says don't follow your heart. It says stupid things. So <laughs> <Amen to that. laughs> a lot of people have liked that one. That's so
1: good. So good. Well, Hillary, I'm you guys, uh, I'm, I'm glad the Lord laid this on your heart. I'm glad um, he called you Uh, equipped you and prepared you for this particular ministry and this particular work, because it really is needed in our day and age. Um, You know, I know, uh, you know, women speaking to other women uh, is very profound, very meaningful. Um, There's some great apologetics works out there, books out there, teachings out there. Um, You guys are are right there uh, at the forefront of what's being done. And so I just appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, And I know that our parents, dads can read your books too. Um, But for our moms, Mm -hmm. especially, I know that this is going to be a tremendous resource and I Hope they uh, will will look you up, find out some great stuff, uh, and tap into the things that you're doing because it really, you guys are doing a really, really great job. So I appreciate you oh, spending a little so time much. with me today.
0: Yep, absolutely. I've enjoyed it.
1: All right, thank you.
0: Thank you for investing the time to listen to this episode of the Journey. Please take a minute to share with friends and family who will also benefit from this valuable resource. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It is truly our blessing and honor to walk with you on the journey.